0: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind
2: the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Uh, Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you and uh, that song is a special welcome to the England cricket team who uh, have hit our shores um, in preparation for a couple of test matches uh, against the Black Caps coming up which I think will be the highlight of New Zealand summer. We're going to stay on the cricket three uh, theme too uh, first up this morning. we uh, going to be talking to uh, Ronnie Hira, of course a former Blackcap himself and uh, Auckland ace uh, and uh, of course he played for Canterbury as well Ronnie so he's, uh, he's uh, been around the traps um, but, uh, Ronnie, on the, the subject of uh, New Zealand cricket and spin dominated that match uh, overnight in, uh, <coughs> where they played uh, in Lucknow, actually. Um, a very low-scoring match. An incredibly low-scoring match, to be fair. I'll have a cricket, a uh, cricket update for you around 9.25, focusing on one of my favourite competitions, the Hawke Cup. Uh, just after 9.32 this morning, uh, we shall be talking to Sam Timmins from the New Zealand Breakers. Uh, what a weekend for them. A lot of emotion apparently uh, out there uh, after uh, qualifying for the playoffs at ten uh, twenty this morning. Uh, we shall be talking to uh, Louis Herman Watt uh, out at Caraca for the sales. The boys did their breakfast show there and uh, we'll be continuing on with that theme too. Uh, we'll also uh, be talking uh, I, I think it'd be appropriate we've uh, focused a lot on uh, the Aussie Open so let's wrap it up uh, this morning with the Louise Fleming, of course, the former Australian tennis pro, who's been calling it on behalf of uh, SEN, particularly she called the women's singles final as well. So, uh, yeah, and Novak, of course, uh, winning again. What a great story that has been. Uh, it is, um, <clears throat> it's been a busy morning. Let's start with a sermon, shall we, and uh, get stuck into it.
4: Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon.
3: Well, outpouring seemed to be the theme of the weekend. On that note, our thoughts to you Aucklanders who are still mopping up and counting the financial and emotional costs of the weekend's flooding. Staggering scenes uh, I saw firsthand, although not in any way affected by uh, by it at all. I feel lucky, very, very lucky. Uh, I wasn't even part of the thousands upon thousands who tried to see the legend that wasn't Elton John, not once, but twice, only to be turned away to Wade home. Uh, kept a dry butt, confirming that Novak Djokovic is now tennis's official goat. A dominating genius, injury or no injury, he made a mess, a straight-sets mess of all that who tried to take him on over the last week in Melbourne, claiming in the process to be playing now some of his best ever tennis. It looks as if uh, going forward, uh, it's going to be a boring, monotonous year of grand slams for the Serb, with all the herb. The Chasing Pack, uh, privileged to be in his company if Rafa owns Roland Garros, surely after 10 there's a case for the Joker to be said, the owner of Melbourne. Monotonous too, the Black Fern Seven winning in, seven's winning in Sydney without getting out of first gear, more interest in the men to at least get challenged. One doesn't doubt the class of Sarah his group, uh, but one does doubt the interest going forward if this dominance continues, especially as we will be deprived of watching it first hand going forward. 80 plus unanswered points between the two groups in Grand Finals. Ridiculously easy, but ridiculous. Plenty of emotion too for those at the breakers. They've made the playoffs. Hallelujah for Modi Meor and uh, the code. They, they've just done a great job. Not subject to uh, COVID regulations this time around. On an even playing court, uh, they've showed what the cut of their jib really is like. More power to them. And Dean Vickerman, the Melbourne's coach, lamenting the 90 minutes it took to get through customs at Auckland Airport on Friday afternoon. Hell, sir, even on a dry day, that's pretty quick up there. It'd be interesting, too, to note that if you quiz the majority of baggage handlers, too, on the meaning of the word priority, what they would actually come up with. But then again, I'm just being boring and a wee bit snobby.
5: is the target you still have six wickets in hand and they're literally taking it to the final wall
3: Well, that was Ravi Shastri, Sanjay Amin, Joker and co uh, trying to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear there. That's uh, a pretty average game of cricket by any stretch of the imagination. Although, bowlers might like it because it was bowler dominated and uh, we've got a bowler joining the show as we speak. Uh, former black cap, of course, uh, been around the traps domestically as well. Ronnie Hera. Good morning to you, Ronnie. Thanks for joining us.
6: Morning, Sonny. How are you?
3: I'm pretty damn good, mate. Uh, Ninety-nine for eight uh, plays one hundred and one for four. Not your typical T20 international, is it really?
6: Nah. Um, yeah, I don't know what you can read of it. To To be fair. Um, uh, yeah, and then the batters struggled to to get out get into you know second or third gear, and um, yeah, I think it was a seventeen over the spin bowl by New Zealand. Um, <laughs> I guess it says says it all, really.
3: It does actually. It uh, shows a, a pitch unsuitable for that kind of cricket, from my way of thinking anyway. Uh, but spin bowlers, uh, yourself, as such, uh, are these days uh, thinking more and more in terms of uh, their influence in white ball cricket, which uh, I imagine you're enjoying, and it's putting the pressure on our stocks, though.
6: Yeah, yeah, it is. You see guys like Glenn Phillips and Mark Chapman bowling and. Um, I guess once upon a time Mike Michael Brace would be in that category too, but he's shown that is a little bit better than just a part time um option for New Zealand at the moment so yeah, um I guess they 're just looking for options to take pace uh pace off the ball, and then yeah using those other three overs as seam um I guess if they could have found another slow slower bowler um slow bowling option, they probably would have used that as well and not gone to Ferguson Tickner um yeah, I guess it was just one of those days, really, when you look at a scorecard, there's probably not too much you can read into it, but there are some sort of um patterns emerging, I, I, I think, overall with New Zealand cricket and the way they select their teams.
3: Oh, that's interesting. I was going to bring that up because whilst this is a T20 series, I think, to be fair... Ronnie, the major focus has to be on fifty-over cricket going forward, and in, cl- in particular in India. How do you think that we're we're placed there on the on the basis of the recent series, which did not feature, I have to say, uh, Kane Williamson, Tim Southey and hopefully uh, a Trent Bolt might be available at some stage.
7: Well uh, yeah, the
6: Trent Bolt one's interesting. I, I I can't see how he gets back in from all of the communication I've heard. It'll be a change in direction for New Zealand cricket to. To to put him in, and then would set some somewhat of a, a precedent for other players to get back in as well. So I think they'll have to negotiate that one um, quite carefully. Uh, against what I would I would probably do, I'd probably pick got the best available side I could to try and win the tournament. But I guess um, it does show you that we are probably stretching our depth quite thin when you've got guys who haven't played a lot of cricket um, playing with guys who haven't played a lot of cricket. You know, when you are coming through and trying to gain that experience. You need guys who have played, you know, 100, 150-odd games around you who can help guide you through. But when you're looking around and you've got guys who have played, you know, 10 more games or or 15 more games than you, they haven't been there and done that themselves. It's difficult to try and progress and and, and upskill when you haven't got guys around you that have done it themselves.
3: Yeah, I I totally agree with you there. And um, I I, I also, I'm in the, I have to say, I'm firmly in the camp that if Trent Bolt is available, you must pick him. you you, you simply must pick him for this World Cup. I know there are varying views on this, but uh, it's not as if we've got a natural replacement for Trent Bolt. I mean, we just do not have that class waiting in the wings. My my
6: opinion is the same. I'm just sort of looking at it from the context of New Zealand cricket. Like, if you look at it, how Mm. they've handled it so far, and the comments that have come from people who are selecting the team, it's evident that they'd have to change that that, that opinion and structure to be able to then select someone like Trent Bolt. So, Uh, I fully agree with you. I'm in that camp as well. I would just pick the best guys available to try and win a World Cup. But from the evidence that I can see and the people that have been selected, there has definitely been a change in selection policy. You've got guys opening the batting who have played 20 games of international cricket, but we're hanging our hopes on them to try and um, get us out of a a bind when we've let one of our best white ball players ever go. I mean, you're looking at Mm. the top of the bowling order with Trent Bowl, You're looking at the top of the batting order with Martin Gutball. Now, if you look at how many games they've played together how do we find the replacement not only in runs but also in experience
3: and wickets so that brings up an interesting point um they, they hung their, their their hat on the Finn hook very very firmly and basically said to martin guptill goodbye um and he said goodbye um how are you reading that situation now in terms of Allen's form and a success rate
6: there's a lot of pressure um, and probably unnecessary if he was given some time to develop and, and under the watchful eye of someone like Martin Gup to try and guide him about how you develop the tempo and how you, you know try and develop shot selection. You know, Gup averaged 41 in one day across something like 180 games, if not more. Um, he's, got, he's got the most entries for New Zealand. So you have to think that he's someone that could help guide um, a young batter like Finn and others around him to... To learn that, like, Martin would have gone into the New Zealand team around guys like Scott Cyrus, um, around other batters, um, you know, around that time of that era, um, and, and developed and learned how to do those types of things. But are we not doing that at the moment? Um, we've just got, you know, Conway's come in, and if you think about it, he only started playing New Zealand for New Zealand a year and a half ago or two years ago when he made that 200 at, at Lords. But he's developed so quickly that we think that he's been there for a long time. He actually hasn't. Um, so where, where are the guys to help educate and help guide these guys what do you,
3: what do you think of uh, how we're handling uh, the Glenn Phillips thing where would you like to see Glenn Phillips bat in 50 over cricket in particular
6: uh, I mean I quite like him and he did quite jo- quite a good job I know it's a different format in the 2020 but he did quite a good job at the World Cup in the sort of middle uh, middle order finishing games and he's got power um, That's there's no doubt about that um, and, and I don't think that he would be the solution to go and open um, if that's what we're talking about or that's the option I'm um, I, I looking around the other options that aren't within the squad at the moment You've got guys like Tom Bruce You've got guys like Will Young They've had international experience and, and done quite well then When they've had the opportunity So is it a case of trying some new stuff before the World Cup Or are, are they really just going with the 15, 16 guys that they've tried now? Um, you know, Mark Chapman is another one who's gone in there and, and, and not really managed to score many runs. Um, so I think there are a lot of guys around there that, are, that are, would be labelled fringe. Um, but then when you take Kane Williamson out and you take, you know, Ross Taylor out over the last 18 months, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of um, you know, depth being tested here.
3: Um, the other one of, of interest to me is uh, how we're handling uh, the role of Daryl Mitchell, uh, he's been a he's been a top order player. He's been a closer. Uh, where do you see Daryl Mitchell?
6: Um, yeah, I guess uh, when you've got Kane Williamson around, it makes it a bit easier because then you've got someone who can bat through. I mean, Daryl's shown that he can do either of those roles. He's another one that's got that power towards the, the you know the middle to lower order when you're looking at guys like Santner, guys like Phillips, Mitchell, and I think that's quite a strong middle to to lower order when you think about it. Um, I guess it's just the top three or four that actually bring them you know the thing about using your resources, you want to use guys like that when you're thirty five overs plus. But if they're having a bat in the twenty fifth over, then they have to change their role. They have to be adaptable and if they're playing that many balls, they're actually not playing their natural game. So it does it does make it a little bit more difficult when you've got, you know, guys like Finn Allen and, and um guys around there in the top three or four, probably getting out quite early and putting pressure on the middle to lower order um, before needed. So I, I would like Mitchell and Phillips and, and Santner to play the, the power game in the middle um, and then and then leave the top guys to tr- try and bat a bit longer.
3: All right, let's uh, look at uh, the, the bowling attack then uh, going forward. Um, I, I guess we'll say that um, is a given. You mentioned Michael Bracehall before. Uh, and in the end conditions, is he a given for you now?
6: He had to be close because he's shown that he can also do a pretty good job with the bat at times as well. Um, and then I guess the toss-up is between him and someone like sodi. I mean, if you are going to bowl 17 overs a spin, then you probably need all three of them. But I don't think you're going to mm. find wickets like that on every ground that you turn up to in India. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, I think, in terms of, um, you know, what sort of style are we going to play? Are we going to play, um, you know, the try and spin them out on, on wickets where it's probably not doing too much and then and go on with one too many spinners and then have to bowl Sody, Satner and not Bracewell and find a six bowling option and bowl someone like Mitchell. Because um, I have noticed that he hasn't bowled as much recently, Mitchell, so whether they probably aren't going to use him as much, I'm not too sure. Um, and then, yeah, it's difficult when you look around and you're not going to have Bolt Bear who's still in the best one-day um, side in the, in the world if you look at the team of the year and also the rankings. Um, it makes it difficult to see someone like him not actually being at the World Cup, and then you have to bring Saudi back in as well. So um, those would be your, your main options. I think the guys that they're running with at the moment, there's no one in, in domestic cricket where they'll go, oh, cool, well, he's, he's really pulling the numbers up and, and, and warranting some opportunity. I think it's too late for that now.
3: Well, I think you're right, actually. I, 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 I think from what I've been reading and seeing around uh, the Super Smash about the Ford uh, Trophy, etc. You are right. Uh, unless they go for a, a, a Tom Bruce or a Will Young, etc., out of the blue, and it would be out of the blue, w- what we're seeing is is what we're taking.
6: Yeah, and, then, and, I, and I'd agree with that. And I think there are some some sort of fringe guys that they've put in there, like Ben Lister is probably one of those cases who have played pretty well in the Super Smash and, and got an opportunity. But I go back to my point, like how much better would it be for someone like Ben Lister to have Trent Bolt around? Um, even if he was just a guy carrying the drinks and bowling with him in the nets and things like that, um, that would that would help him quite a lot. But um, those opportunities aren't there at the moment. Um, and uh, the guys have exited New Zealand cricket over the last twelve months: Nisham, Gupta, De Grand home Bolt. They've all they've all exited for different reasons, um, but the outcome's been the same. So you know you're losing a lot of experience with those four guys in particular.
3: You do. Uh, I was a little bit I've got to say, I was a little bit surprised um, that uh, when particularly in the 50-over series, uh, they sent home, uh, they sent home Tim Southey, they sent home Kane Williamson to rest up for the test matches against England and prepare for them. Um, look And uh, the coach himself, the World Cup coach, uh, Gary Stead, didn't stay in India either. I, I find that I've got to say in a World Cup year in the host country, very surprising.
6: Um, Probably even more surprising when you think that we're not a chance of making the World Test Championship final. Um, So those games against England, although they're important for the individual players as a team, yes, we want to win the series, but they don't have any overarching overarching result on it, if you know what I mean. Um, So, yeah, you're right. You probably, I mean, you you, you are right. Why would they send back two of the key players? Uh, One one is now the Test captain, one is the ODI captain, and one is the coach. So there's three people who are in leadership positions who have essentially left the tour. Um, And I know guys need rest and and, and you've got to rotate guys and give guys opportunities. I I understand that. But you've got to pick pick your moments and they'll probably turn around and say, well, this was planned from a long way out. Um, And that may be true. It might not be true. But um, yeah, it sort of worked out that all three of those key personnel uh, that are required on a trip in terms of like a senior opening bowler, your your, your best number, your best batsman who bats at three and then also your coach have left the tour.
3: Yeah, I find it remarkable, absolutely remarkable, actually. In in terms of the timing, anyway. Um, The other thing of interest coming up, Ronnie, too, is the Test series against um, England. How are we going to counter uh, the rate of play that England uh, are looking to come at?
6: Uh, It's a million dollar question, or if you're Brendan, probably four or five million dollar worth of question. Um, (laughs) It's difficult. It's difficult um, to, to see. I mean. Even in slow conditions in Pakistan, they prove that they could still score at that rate. And I think in our pitches, where there's slightly more bounce, um, a little bit more pace, especially on days two and a half to to the end of the test match, that doesn't usually take any turns. So I don't see the pitches slowing down an awful lot. They don't deteriorate like they do in other places in the world. So I think that will probably suit them um, in terms of the way that they come at the bowling. Um, But yeah, it's difficult to to give you an answer on how do we combat that because we just have to see See what we do. I think it just had to be guys bowling short, sharp spells to to try and keep them guessing and not getting um, getting the handle on one type of bowler. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of firepower in that England batting line-up, And if they if they get in on a on a flat wicket, um, yeah, we could be chasing leather. Um, you know, could be chasing leather all day. Really, I guess it's exciting for for someone like ourselves who can just sit there and watch, and not have to be out in the middle and try and come up with these plans. Mm-hmm. But um, they are definitely um, changing the way that that test cricket is being played. That's for sure. And I think their A team has scored at six runs and over in an A game in Sri Lanka as well. So they are doing it all over the world, which is which is quite interesting. They are they are taking that blueprint and, and feeding it down to to others around them to try and try and assist with that growth and that template of how they play.
3: Just had a text and uh, Ronnie saying, uh, what is uh, what is Ronnie up to these days?
6: Uh, I'm working just a uh, you know, normal <laughs> normal um uh, retirement sort of thing. Just uh, got out of cricket and, and started working. I worked um at a digital agency in um in Auckland. Um and yeah, busy just looking after clients and, and growing um businesses through digital advertising and, and marketing and things. So it's pretty busy. Um to keep an eye on the cricket and um have I've stopped playing now as well, so I don't play any club cricket or anything either. So um, to time with the family, but yeah, enjoy watching a little bit of cricket on on the TV and doing a, a little bit of analysis like this. From from what I can see, which probably isn't worth an awful lot, but um, I enjoy it anyways.
3: It was worth plenty to us this morning, Ronnie. Great to catch up with you and get your forthright thoughts. Um, all the best with your new vocation, and um, you know, thanks for thanks for your time.
6: Thanks, withy. Appreciate it.
3: Yeah, cheers, uh, Ronnie Herra there. Of course, a former black cap himself and a very, very good white ball bowler in the process uh, and with his thoughts there on uh, where he thinks uh, spin should play a part and um, it's it's uh, it's hard to try and work out uh, what, they, what they're doing and really um, some of the theories they're coming up with. But however, low scoring game overnight, we came second in. Not, uh, I'm reading very, very little into it. We'll be back very shortly with a, a bit of a Hawk Cup focus.
2: On SCNZ... J Verso straight bowling. He's bowling. Smithy's cricket update. Thanks to Razine New Zealand's most trusted paint brand.
3: Canterbury Country will host the next Hawk Cup Challenge match in Rang- Rangiora as, after surviving a late scare against Nelson in the first defence of the 2022-23 season. As such, um, uh, well, it wasn't really the first, the first of this calendar year. To lift the Hawk Cup, a team must win outright or win on the first innings and as the clock ticked down the final evening session the first challenge uh, of uh, this year Nelson got Canterbury Country 9 down in the first innings with the defenders still 62 runs in deficit and three balls remaining in the game a wicket in those three balls would have sent the cup to Saxton Oval but last man George Gunn survived the final three deliveries from first class paceman Jared Mackay who had already claimed uh, 5 for 63 and that kept the cup in Rangi Hotago Country affectionately known as the Tussocks will make the next challenge at Rangi after qualifying top from Zone 4 beginning on Friday, February the 10th. Of course, uh, one of the great romantic stories of uh, the Hawk Cup was when Buller managed to uh, secure it a few years back, and that was something exceedingly special and well celebrated. It's one of the great old uh, trophies in uh, in domestic cricket in uh, New Zealand, the Hawk Cup, actually. Uh, ironically, if, uh, the, whoever holds it after this challenge will face uh, Hawke's Bay, who held it at the start of the season. So Hawke's Bay not only have a, uh, at the start of the season and lost it, they now have qualified through the central zone to uh, have a, another crack at it in about uh, two weeks' time, three weeks' time on the 24th to the 26th of February. So that's uh, an ironic thing. Unlikely, unlikely that uh, they'd win at Hawke's Bay on the basis. There'll probably be a wedding or a race meeting that day, which will make half the team unavailable. It is 9.30 here On SENZ, we'll have basketball for you next.
2: Three of the Test series between Australia and India starting February nine on SENZ.
1: Four to shoot. Brantley sees that. Step back. Huge three, and it could be good night, Melbourne. And that'll do us at Spark Arena, as the court winds down, the breakers still in that third spot, hunting
8: that second spot.
9: 16 wins has been up on my board for a very long time. That was our number one goal. You keep asking me if I'm having fun for a big part of the season. So I told myself, when we get to 16, I'll have fun for a little bit, I'll enjoy it, and. Tomorrow, I'll go
10: back to regular.
3: Well, it's been a challenging anniversary weekend for the Auckland region, but the Breakers have given them and the rest of the country something to cheer about with an 80-74 victory over Melbourne United at the Spark Arena, which thankfully remained dry. That snapped up a nine-game losing streak against the well-coached Melbourne side. Of course, that coach being one very familiar to us and Dean Vickerman. But the Breakers have their own special coach, matey Maioa. You just heard uh, his... Uh, feelings afterwards, he's helped the club turn things around in quite a dramatic fashion and joining us now is New Zealand breakers centre Sam Timmins, of course uh, well known uh, to us also as part of the champion Otago Nugget Sam, good morning to you, thanks for your time
9: Morning, how are you going?
3: I'm going good man, but you guys must be going extra good and there was certainly plenty of emotion around, we just heard that clip from uh, Modi, but what was it like in the locker room afterwards?
9: Yeah, it was it was a, an accumulation of so many different highs and lows that have happened throughout the season. Um, for him personally, like, you know, this is his first season as head coach, but he's been assistant for the last two. And, you know, pro, you know, it's been the going narrative for this whole season is part of the reason why there's so much writing on it or why there's so much drive to make it a special season is because of the, the past two seasons, and he was there for those. So he feels... How much this means to the club and to everyone in it and everyone around it and fans so it's, it's pretty special that we've been able to clinch a playoff spot and that we know for sure we're going to have a crack at playing for the, playing for the title.
3: Right, okay, 16 wins was the goal for the season, now achieved. Uh, last night the Sydney Kings uh, clinched their top spot but uh, what about that second spot? Uh, I guess all eyes on Cairns
9: now. Exactly. Yeah, no, We just, we just need need, uh, need Perth to do us a favour and get it done for for us.
3: The breakers um, can still, of course, finish. So you can, and if they do, of course, you bypass the playing tournament, go straight through their semi-finals. Yep. How significant would that be in terms of where you're at? You feel?
9: Oh, it's massive. You know, like. Um, you, you skip a whole round of playoffs. That's extra training you get, extra rest you get, time you get to look after your body, time you get with your families at home, recharge. But like, at the same time, if we miss, you know, there's there's always the other side of there's extra games that you play, so you come in to the semis with a bit more rhythm. So honestly, like either way, I think we'd rather have the second spot and get that extra, you know, time to train and recover and stuff like that. But you know either path we have is one that's super achievable for us in the team we have. So hopefully Perth can get it done and we can win out secure second. But if not, we've still got a pretty good pretty good run.
3: Never better example, um, I think it's fair to say, Sam, um, of just the level of support you guys get. Six and a half thousand people turn up in a city that's basically flooding at the time. How motivating was that?
9: Oh, it was unreal. It was, it was pretty cool, to be honest. Like, especially because, you know, we... We were just coming back from Brisbane and it took us a bunch of times to land in the plane. Uh, we, we, the first time we came in, we got about halfway down through the descent and then you just feel the pilot hit the jets and just like boost back into the sky because we were getting rocked around so much. And then we land and about 40 minutes after we go through the airport, we're getting photos of the things flooded and you know half the boys are coming back to, you know, there's slips by their houses and flooding going on all over the place and it's, it's awful to see what's going on. And we, we were... You know, ready to play a game without fans there because people had to deal with what they had going on at their home. So when it was, Spark was damn near packed out, it was, it was a pretty awesome feeling and it was even better to, to get a playoff clinching win in front of them.
3: Sure was. Uh, absolutely special. Now, Chris Golding is uh, typically a threat for Melbourne, but your defence managed to put pressure on him. He only uh, shot three from 15, which was uh, a big influence in the outcome.
9: Yeah, man. Because um, I've I've been on, this, you know, that's my sixth time playing against Melbourne uh, in a Breakers uniform, and that's that's the worst you know he's ever done. Well, more I guess it's more fair to say the best we've ever done on him. Because yeah, he's always it doesn't matter how he's shooting at any point during the game, he can always just rattle off three, four in a row in a quarter and completely change the dynamic of the game. But, you know, we were so locked in on that and so focused that he didn't really get a, get a get any room to breathe. And those three ones that he did make were really difficult, tough threes to hit. So, yeah, I think that's a, a big testament to why we were able to get the win.
3: On average, how much time do you spend uh, on that defensive si- uh, situation then uh, during the week?
9: Oh, it's at the point where pretty much any any Chris Goulding players, everyone knows them at this point. There's, you know, the two... Um, the baseline staggers and the pin downs that Melbourne always runs for him. And if, and if Chris Golding ever hits a three, then you know that Melbourne going to run the next few plays for him because he's so central to that offense that you have to know. And he's a shooter, right? So anytime he's inside the, the three-point line, something is going to be happening and someone's going to try and set a screen for him to come out and get a three. So, like, it's, that's, like, whenever you play Melbourne... Every team in the league, not just us, is going to spend a good amount of time preparing for just knowing what sort of shooting actions and how they're going to try and get him looks and how to stop it.
3: Uh, Sam, you mentioned before, Modi's uh, first season as head coach, although he's been around the scene for a little while. Uh, In all the franchises you've played, you get an opportunity, I I guess, to uh, weigh up the influence of a coach. What has been, uh, from your point of view, the the most... um, influential things that Modi Mayors style has brought to this franchise
9: I think the biggest part with Modi is that there, there are a lot of times where a coach can feel like um, you know they're trying to hold a hold a controller and you know control the team through a joystick and it's like oh I'm going to make sure everything's here and it feels very there's the coach and then there's the players and it's obviously still like that but I Everyone feels that Modi's just invested as everyone else in the team. And he gets that, you know, we're all humans and we have other things going on in our lives. And it's like, it's very much to the point where you feel that that dude is just as bought in as you and is going to work just as hard as you. And it's cool having someone in the head coach spot that believes in you that much and is going to work that much and it means that much to him. And it trickles down throughout the rest of the organization.
3: You mentioned before uh, your, the rhythm and you know the consistency you're going to need going into the playoffs, regardless of whether you've got extra game time or not, but you still have a couple of games remaining in the regular season. How do you think you, you're going to approach those having a, a playoff spot guaranteed? Uh, will you just continue standards or will you just sit back a wee bit?
9: Um, I think the, the, the most important thing going into these playoff games is You know, when you get to the playoffs, you don't necessarily rise to occasion. You fall down to your habits. So these two games are a really good chance to set championship-level habits. So, you know, if we go in and we kind of rest on our laurels and go, you know, we've already made playoffs, doesn't really matter what happens in these games, then that, that opens up the risk of, you know, kind of subconsciously falling into that sort of level of effort Habit, intensity, execution. So I think for these next two games it's more important than ever to be playing the game with the level of focus, confidence and intensity that we've you know, those are the three sort of things that we've kinda needed to find the perfect balance of recently, which has brought us on this little run. And I think it's even more important now that we've made playoffs to pick that up in the next two.
3: What about the personal development of uh, Sam Timmins? What so far in the season have you been able to get out of it in terms of your, your own personal game?
9: Um, my personal game, obviously, you know, I do I do my I do my extra workouts and stuff because you know I don't. Me and uh, Dan and uh, Alex McNaught have not been like a super massive part of the the playing rotation this year, and that's just part of being on any sort of team. man. so like for me. It's uh, it's about being a professional because you know this is my job, making sure that I'm getting the extra work and like you know, I think a big thing from last year to this year is you know kind of focusing less on just like the fact that I'm not playing and like you know approaching training as like every time I get on the court I'm I'm trying to earn my way onto the court and if I if I if I do something wrong or I mess up then it's like you know everything's all hard you know start throwing. Getting upset because I'm feel like I'm not going to play. It's more about like just making sure that I'm controlling what I can control. Um, I'm learning everything I can. I'm being a sponge. Like you know, any, anything that DP or Rob is doing on the court, that Modi, I'm um, you know, I'm looking at it like it's me doing it, learning it like it's me doing it. So, you know, I can carry that into you know my own time on the court when I get there. It's like I've already got the reps mentally. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, honestly, just trying to do everything I can to to get as much out of it personally while also being, you know, a part of the special team at the same time.
3: Win, lose or draw in terms of uh, the breakers' season going forward, uh, what, uh, in terms of uh, perhaps uh, the sales NBL, etc. what what are we looking for in terms of Sam Timmons? Uh,
9: In terms of the sales NBL?
3: Yep.
9: Back to the Nuggets? Um, I haven't I haven't signed any contract yet, but it's it's gonna be hard for me to go anywhere else. You know, I'm, I'm a blue and gold boy.
3: Well that'd be nice to know that uh, you're staying with us, mate. Um we'll get Hutchie on the phone and get that sorted, that contract. Uh, I'll be nice.
9: <laughs> <Sure>.
3: <laughs> Put another zero <laughs> on the end of it. Catch you, don't worry. Uh, look, here's the thing. Um, been great, Sam. Uh, we're all into it. It was particularly fantastic over the weekend, bearing in mind that uh, Auckland was in turmoil, to be fair, that you were able to do that for them. So uh, yeah. wonderful. And uh, now we know that uh, we've got a lot more breakers action to follow up on. So congratulations to you, the squad, um, Modi, everyone that's part of it. Thank you very much.
9: Right, awesome. Cheers, Modi.
3: Cheers, Sam, Sam Timmins there of course uh, one of our very own Otago Nuggets uh, of course uh, here on SENZ of course um, he's uh, part of that breaker squad which have now qualified, they've got that magical 16 games under their belt which means they are in the playoffs going forward and much much more interest uh, coming for them as well 9.44 here on SENZ Parts
0: and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's
2: the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
8: You got to know when the hold up, know when to fold up. Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away, and know when to run.
11: Bet live on your favorite sports. Download the TAB app today.
3: Right, uh, let's uh, look at a uh, multi for today. Kansas City Chiefs to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. It's later this afternoon at $1. seventy-one. That's game two of the playoffs uh, for Super Bowl. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies to beat uh, the Pacers at $1.26 and the Cairns Taipans to beat Adelaide. Unfortunately, I think that'll happen at a thirty-seven. So that'll uh, multi up to uh, around about the $3 mark. So uh, if you get onto that one, it's a uh, uh, small but hopefully successful start to the week. Uh, I can tell you in the first of the playoff games uh, after the first quarter, it's the Philadelphia Eagles leading the San Francisco 49ers by 7-0. So uh, that uh, is pretty even at this point. Uh, Hard to pick uh, between those two teams, but uh, the 49ers have possession at the moment starting the second quarter. Uh, We shall be talking to Louise Pleming. Louise Pleming, of course, uh, is a well-performed player on the... uh, (coughs) the professional tennis circuit actually uh participated both uh the itf circuit and of course she has uh, also been part of the wta circuit as well for um for women's tennis professionals Uh, been around for a long long time and of course uh lou has uh, also been commentating on the australian open on behalf of senator she'll be talking uh, we're talking to her uh, after 11 o'clock this morning uh after 10 o'clock Uh, We're going to give you the options uh, to call us, if you like, on uh, our phone line, which is 0800 150811. We'd like to take two or three calls, if we could, uh, just after the 10 o'clock news. um, On uh, any subject that impressed you over the weekend or didn't impress you over the weekend, or where do you think the black caps are heading? What about the domination of uh, Novak Djokovic? What about the domination of the Black Fern 7? Is is it just becoming a little bit too monotonous, the way that they're dominating things? It's great, but uh, is it good overall? in terms of uh, the future of that competition. Uh, 9.51 here on SENZ. Uh, We'll be back very shortly.
0: Another year and more great yarns in the afternoon with Staffy. Give him a call each weekday from 12 on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's
2: the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
3: A terrific round of golf, wasn't it, from Ryan Fox overnight as well, playing uh, of uh, Dubai Desert Classic. Uh, of course, Rory McIlroy is uh, now leading by three shots over his uh, arch rifle, uh, Patrick Reed at four over Patrick Reed actually, but he's got a three shot lead over the field. Uh, Ryan Fox, outstanding round, which included a number of birdies and an eagle, has got uh, into contention, I suppose you'd say. He's uh, 10 under, so he's 5 behind Rory, but he's certainly in contention for a top 10 spot. I'm not sure he'll run down Rory in the kind of form that he is in, but uh, Ryan Fox, another terrific showing, of course, on the tour. Uh, Early action in the um, NFL playoffs here, and this is between the Philadelphia Eagles, And the San Francisco 49ers, Logan, and at the moment, I think it's fair to say the Eagles are dominating on the scoreboard, winning by 7-0. Not quite sure that uh, the 49ers have found a way through yet, just looking at things.
4: No, not yet, but it's still early days, and you've got to wonder if Purdy, the season that he's having coming in and the story that is behind him, if he's going to break through at some point and create a bit of an upset, because it is in Philadelphia, and you imagine how how die-hard those Eagles fans are and how much they want this win on the back of the season that they've had. But, yeah, I mean, where's your money at, Smithy? I'm pretty sure you're back in the Niners here.
3: Yeah, I'm on the 49ers. Uh, We're in a group of guys that have been following it from the outset. We had a meeting, uh, eight of us, and we decided we'd uh, throw a bit of uh, dough in and and have a bit of a sweepstake on it and have a really good Super Bowl afternoon when uh, it comes around. And uh, We're down to the last four so, um, what we've, uh, four of us have got a team each going into that, so um, I'm pretty pleased to say that I've got the 49ers, but um, just watching at the moment, I'd, I'd like them to get on the board and give me a little bit more confidence. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's been fascinating. I talked to a couple of people yesterday, Said so they just don't get the NFL, they don't, don't understand the game, but I, I didn't. I've got to say, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have known the first thing about it, apart from quarterbacks and throwing yeah. the ball or running the ball. Uh, but actually, I, I find the way they present it on television is a very easy game to understand.
4: Yeah, it's uh, it's a sport that is definitely made for TV smithy. I mean, <laughs> it's probably why you have so many stops because you can squeeze in X amount of commercial breaks throughout the game. It is one of those ones where, I mean, I've, I've grown up with it smithy. You kind of learn from playing the video games like Madden and such. But it is definitely one worth picking up if you have any slight interest.
3: Yeah, look, I, I just, and then the big names, of course, uh, have become absolute rock stars. You've got your, your Tom Brady's and your Aaron Rodgers, of course, your Roethlisberger's, the, the Manning brothers. Uh, you know, they're the superstars. Uh, but the more you delve into it, uh, there are just as many superstars in defence as there are offence and uh, the, the great skills, the size of them, um, you know, their mobility, the physicality of it. That It's brilliant. It's an absolutely brilliant game. I love every bit of it, so... Uh, More on those uh, scores throughout the day. Staff will have the update on the second game, I'm I'm sure, on his show this afternoon. We'll we'll be back uh, after the break very soon.
2: Vodafone has one awesome summer
0: of sport lined up for you. are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets
2: past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Talk back time with Smithy. Call
11: now 0800 150 811.
3: Yep. 0800 150 811, uh, she's dead right, uh, 0800 150 that is the phone number, so uh, get on the line and uh, give us your impression of what uh, you've been witnessing over the weekend, um, and uh, what you thought of it. Uh, Mikey's first up this morning, out of Christchurch. Mikey, uh, good morning to you.
12: Oh, good morning Ian. Hey, um, NZ Cricket, do they need to go to Specsavers? Because the optics on this whole thing regarding coaches not being there is... To me, frankly, unbelievable. Um, I, I know for a fact that these tours are done in advance. They know exactly how many weeks where they're staying, what's happening. Um, now, for guys like Kane Williamson and Saudi Shou- and, and the rest, they could have easily have said, right well, after the test match in Pakistan, you guys have a break. Then you come back to India. Everyone has their wee rest that they need to. The other guys can do the, the one days in Pakistan. The World Cups in India. Well, let's all go there. Let's get that sorted. Um, but they didn't, and they've come out with all the excuses about being tired or, or what have you. At the end of the last, um, I think the Pakistani would have been the one days. There's, there's a three week gap between the England Test match. So, oh sorry, the Indian one days. Oh, your pardon. There's a three week gap mm. to the uh, England Test match. You can't tell me that's a holiday. I had a, a chat to Staffy about this last week. I mean, three weeks is a holiday for most people in this country, well, let alone another break between, say, um, the Pakistan and India if they wanted to. Uh, I'm sorry, they'll that, almost become in the NZRFU.
3: Well, look, I, 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 I'm baffled by this. The, uh, the only light I can shine on the end of the tunnel is that they're deciding, I think, rightfully so, that they've got to split the roles for coaches. And maybe this is uh, an audition, um, a trial for Luke Ronke to become our white ball T20 coach at least. Um, And that's all I I can think out of it because I can't think for one reason that Gary Stead needs a rest. I really can't believe for one second that Gary Stead needs a rest. Um, I would be very, very surprised about that. Um, And, you know, coaching is, I, I think, obviously you're away from home. But that's your job. I mean, you don't do it forever as an international coach. There'll be other things that Gary Stead has to move on to. He may get uh, franchise coaching around the world. Uh, Good luck to him if he does. But I think when you're in the national coach's job, I've got a a sneaking suspicion that you really have to be with your national team more often than not if you intend to stay on in that particular role. So that's all I can think about it, Mikey. But I'm with you on this. I'm with you on this, particularly when you're looking at the development of players and roles. Uh, Finn Allen, for instance. Uh, as a as a, a serious work on now, Gary Stebb was the guy that said, "I believe in Finn Allen. He's the future for oh. us at the top of the order." Well, where is he helping him now? Who's helping him now?
13: Exactly.
12: I mean, and the other thing, I guess, the question is: Is are we actually serious about the World Cup at the end of the year? or Is it just something we're going to turn up to? You know, this is this is their conditions. We had to, had an opportunity for the the top people to be there for this. Um, they're not. Um, my mind is blown. Anyway, <laughs> thanks, Ian.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it just uh, yeah, it does. I mean, if a World Cup isn't your priority, Mikey, what is?
12: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, mate. Hey, thanks a lot.
3: Cheers, Mikey. Thanks. Uh, thanks very much for your call, Dino. Good morning to you. Been from Dunedin, of course. Yes, it How are
14: you getting on? What a weekend, eh? Unbelievable. Oh, it was the seven. Yeah. Can I can I just tell you a little bit about um, the rugby family and just why? I get it and I can't understand why other people would date. I've got a sort of dating this wee Japanese lady and her daughter was one of the best Highland dancers in New Zealand going through the age groups. But Georgia Miller was right up there and uh, to see her on TV and have like through Highland dancing a connection, I watched it even closer. And then I've got this, like adopted nightmare of a stepbrother. Everyone knows him as Wombat, so you know who he everyone knows who he is. Damn good footy player in his own day. But he went to Timaru for a bit, just to get away, and he played with this rooster, Craig Miller. Now, if Wombat says Craig Miller was a tough mother, whatever that other word is, he definitely would be. And to see him in the grandstand with a nose like that, I sort of understand that, yep, Wombat's not telling lies. He's bang on the money. But you can see where that girl come from. Her breeding, the drive. Look, like, I couldn't believe the physicality the French had right through the tournament. I've never seen that in women's rugby. To come up against the Black Ferns, I thought, this is going to be interesting. You've got bully brutality against fitness and toughness. And the bully mentality was nowhere. It was just not to be seen. That, that, that Black Ferns, that's the best sevens game I've ever seen in my life, men's and women. And the men's were just as good afterwards. The men's harker was unbelievable. But how can you not love a game like that? When you get little stories like that, it just sums it up for me. And as for Djokovic, best tennis player I've ever seen, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a
3: to- doubt. Totally, totally agree on Djokovic. Uh, totally agree on, um, because we're such a small country, the linking of uh, our sport, etc. to uh, other activities is inevitable. Um, But when you hear those kind of stories come uh, to the front, uh, Dino, thank you very much for that too this morning uh, for coming in and giving us that information. Uh, There's always a a bit more romance about it and we get so many stories like that uh, within New Zealand sport. And yes, uh, I really took a lot of pleasure out of the men's uh, All Black Sevens winning. Um, I almost expect it now as a rule of thumb that uh, the women are going to win. They're that damn good. They're that damn dominant over the whole thing. I fear for the interest in the competition, particularly now, of course, that we're not going to have the opportunity to see them playing here at home and witness it firsthand. It's always going to be, unfortunately for us now, a television viewing activity as opposed to being able to go and support it in our numbers. So that's one of the sidelines, the sad sidelines about it for me. Cliffy, from, also from Dunedin. G'day, Cliff. How are you going?
1: Yeah, morning. Well, yeah, I'm just wondering if there's enough money around in, in rugby to keep that sevens going at, at, at the level. Whether there's the players are committing hard to it uh, from other countries in these smaller tournaments. But I wanted to talk about the golf last night. I I switched on, and here is here is old uh, Rory McElroy on the first tee, and bang bang birdie, bang bang birdie. Bang, birdie, bang. And I thought, oh. you know, he just showed the, the field who who the goat is at the moment. You know, he is the greatest player in uh, world cricket at the moment. And he just he's, he's able to change it up two or three gears. And then he just cruises along, you know. Uh, that was a tough course, very narrow. Uh, you know, the scoring was good, I think, because it wasn't windy. And that certainly helped. But, yeah, no, class to watch. But uh, yeah, good stuff. And, and with the cricket, you know, the guy was on earlier on talking about the way. I don't, but I don't know what Stead's up. I'd like to see David White have a chat with you and tell me where New Zealand cricket's going. What is what is his uh, future for us? Are we going to be a, a middle of the road team again, or we've have we, have we done our dash, be winning the Test Championship? It's almost like we've got one trophy that we're quite comfortable. That's about as good as we are. You know, we let Mm. Bolt and a few others uh, go. Maybe we didn't have enough money to pay them anymore or to to let them, you know, not play as much as what he might have wanted to. Bolt said, look, you know, I want to have a bit more time away, maybe playing a few things. Maybe they could have did it. But, you know, like you talk about Finn Allen, you know, the batting coach, uh, Luke Ronke a keeper. I'm not saying keepers aren't good batsmen because I've seen some pretty handy keepers. One of them still got the Test record for the largest score as a as a wicketkeeper, isn't he? Pretty handy player in his day. But uh, they've got to work. They've got to work on these guys, you know. They know he's chucking a guy in the top of the order in fifty-over game, and he he can't move his feet, you know, and um, and then the bowling coach isn't over there either he came home too so you know they're, they're very thin on experience and in india when you're playing a good side good in, in the world cup so that's where i see things david white's got to come out and say what is the future for new zealand cricket is it is it all going to be put into the women's game possibly and the men's sort of taking a back seat now we've had our dash
3: I think it's going to become more 50-50. There's no doubt about that. And Cliff, a lot of people would say, rightfully so. And it's been too damn long in the way, in the making. Um, I think the focus uh, is going to have to be more 50-50. There's no doubt about that in terms of men's and women's cricket. I enjoy your thoughts too on uh, Rory McIlroy. Um, Rory McElroy has put his money where his mouth is because he's opened up against Liv and that is his motivation. You can quite clearly see that he has got his uh, motivation is to knock over anyone that is re- remotely re- um, aligned to live golf. And beating Patrick Reed would have been his biggest focus, and he is at the moment. Cliff, thank you very much. Finally this morning, uh, we've got uh, some time for John, one of my favourite callers from Auckland. John, good morning to you.
13: Hey, good morning, Smithy. Hey, I just want to um, spread out the love to everyone in Auckland and Northland. We're going through a rough time. Um, unfortunately, I'm one of those people. My house was flooded. And my vehicle as well. But, you know, um, here sitting, listening to you, Smithy, and you're making me happy, which is uh, which is brilliant. Um, John, but, uh, sorry
3: th- to hear. Uh, what area are you from, John? What area of Auckland uh, are you from? How badly affected was your area then?
13: Oh, I live in West Auckland, mate. And it's pretty much, you know, every man and his dog's affected out here. I mean, a lot of your uh, listeners might know Auckland, and West Auckland's kind of in the valley. Uh, just at the foot of the Waitakere Ranges, and there's a lot of streams running through our area. And um, we're doing it tough out here, mate, but, you know, we're just trotting along and every Kiwi's helping each other, and then that's all we can do at this time.
3: Go on, John. Our thoughts are with you. Um, appreciate yeah. you and uh, to all Aucklanders as well. Uh, what, what, what would yeah. you like to talk about sporting-wise?
13: Sporting-wise, mate, I just want to talk uh, quickly uh, and briefly just on the black caps. Um bit disappointed on their display and and how they just their whole management, mate. I I heard you this morning talk about they're probably gonna split the roles between the white ball and the red ball and that's probably the way to go. Uh we're seeing that with a lot of major teams around the world. And um yeah it seems to be affecting the players. Uh this kind of the management at the moment. Um obviously Finn Allen's uh not not in form at the moment and he probably needs to come home and spend some time and and the big bash, or oh, not the big bash, what we have here, the KFC Drive or whatever it's called. Um, and, yeah, hopefully we can get over the line in this T20 series, mate, and it'll be good to have the boys
3: home. John, thanks very much for your call. Uh, I'm totally with you. Uh, I don't care where he gets that Finn Allen, but he's got to find some form somewhere. If he's he's our main man alongside Conway uh, at the top of the order, he simply has to find the middle of the bat and do it on a regular basis to Take on the, the best bowlers in the world, so uh, he just has to do that on our behalf. So, uh, totally agree with you and totally sympathize as well, um, John, with uh, your plight amongst uh, all those Aucklanders that are feeling are up there. Um, couldn't say it, can't say it enough throughout the morning. Um, all the best to those people battling, um, trying to dry out on an anniversary day where you should be celebrating and having a chance to spend some quality time. Most of you are doing quality cleaning up, and that is not on. It is 10.16 here on SENZ.
0: Covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of
2: sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
11: The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. <laughs>
3: Right, let's catch up with uh, Louie, who's, uh, I can see, I think, still at uh, Karaka. Oh, no, that's Staffy out there, so uh, Louie's um, with us uh, by other means. Uh, Staffy just setting up in the background there down at uh, Karaka for his show to continue on from 12. Oh, Louie is there. Actually, Louie is there. I, I, I apologise, Louie. Uh, can we have a quick recap on the weekend? 50 to 1 shot, winning the Wellington Cup on a heavy track.
7: Yeah, yeah, I'm sick, Smithy. I actually can't speak about that because I'm too ill at the thought of the overeating that Thaddeus Taylor and Paul Mwadi are going to be doing at the sausage roll table this morning. It's disgusting. It's bloating, oh. and it hurts my head and heart.
3: It did. Uh, I'm talking about leaderboard here, which uh, won the Wellington Cup and uh, three overseas jockeys involved uh, in that particular performance. So they're certainly dominating our big racing at the moment. Uh, Just a shame that um, the weather's kicked in around the country and uh, of course here we are in the middle of summer and we should be looking for um, wet weather horses, which I I don't know if that's a factor when you're buying a yearling at uh, Karaka, but uh, I've got to be saying that wet racing is dominating proceedings on this side of the Tasman, a little bit in in terms of Australia. Day one, Louis, at uh, Karaka, how would you sum it up?
7: Uh, well, look, it's probably best for me to lean on the well, what what I'm hearing from other people that were both selling and buying, and I think it's kind of fear. Fear would be the word, Smithy. Um, I guess it takes a while for these sales to really find their footing. It find takes a. It's it's pretty strange. It would be pretty rare for the vendors to have their reserves bang on, to the buyers to know exactly what the market's like, for everybody just to have their eye in from. The word go you do see it happen in certain sales but you can't really set your expectation there like that and it was strong like the medium was well and truly up but i guess it was a little bit of a feeling out day and there were some nice lots gone that went through uh Saverbell had a day out with a beautiful filly that went through and andrew forsman picked up along with andy williams um that was an absolute ripper and there was a Saverbeal cult out of Bayrock from Windsor Park Stud that Tiakau and David Ellis snapped up and, and it looked about as good as the cult that we've seen and as we've seen through here, it's David Ellis just got him ridden all over it in Tiakau. Exactly what they sort of go for a big striking Saverby that'll hopefully get up and be a star three year old for them. It's a the sort of Saverbeal that has a pedigree page that could be a stallion as well. So I think that was about six hundred and thirty. So a little bit of feeling out. But I suspect that today you will see some of those buyers open their shoulders and really unwind.
3: Yeah, those are the two lots, as you quite rightfully mentioned there. So uh, they're two New Zealand uh, buyers, of course, uh, Forsman and, and, and David Ellis, uh, then followed up by Chris Waller, Guy Molcast, the combination. Um, with uh, a couple of $450,000 purchases, and then the Oaks coming in to, to round out with yet another Z- uh, Savaville Colt uh, out of um, Glee for 400000 So they're the major players. Are we going to look to top those uh, those numbers today in terms of individual purchases, you think, Louis?
7: Uh, hard to know, Smithy. Really, really hard to know, but... Yeah, no, I'd just be throwing. I would actually be just be throwing a dart, Smithy. I'm not sure, mate. I mean, again, there will be the the stock on offer that it could get there, but it just it all depends on who wants what. And if you can get into a bidding war, I mean, look, they all have their roundabout numbers, what they think a horse is worth. But if a bidding war goes on, and all of a sudden a little bit of ego comes into play, you know what it's like, Smithy. So uh, I, I think that before the sale is done and dusted, we'll have something that'll go closer to 800. That'd be my gut just on knowing how strong the selling was yesterday and what people are kind of wondering about today. But I couldn't tell you what. And, and also I don't know about too much assurance on that. Hey, you mentioned something interesting before about the weather and wet weather horses and if the sale, you know, if buyers can look for that, the sales. Well, especially in New Zealand, they can. Like our, we, I guess, versatile staying type wet weather sires as such like a horse like Sharp and Smart by Redwood now there are so many different versions of Redwood as a sire that can sire them that go through the wet it just it happens over and over again and, and there really is no other place in the world. I mean, the Northern Hemisphere is renowned and and a lot of those European imports, they can go through anything as well. But in New Zealand, it it seriously is a a breeding ground for the wet weather horses that can go through those heavy goings and a horse like Tarzino and, uh, uh, I mean, that Westbury is standing. It's done a great job with Derby and Oaks winners already in its first crop and no issue going through some of the mud um, so, yeah, I think I think you're right. And if that's what we are going to see more of, I think the amount of winners that come out of New Zealand Bloodstock's Karaka sale will just continue to increase and increase. I think it's a good point.
3: OK, uh, Jamie, Richard's uh, back in New Zealand after uh, opening up pretty promisingly in Asia.
7: Oh, man. Hey, Sticko McKee, Steve McKee said in the weekend that he's following his career very, very closely and... There's not too many people that have had better first seasons over in in Hong Kong. Jamie is mixing it with the best of them. He's doing a hell of a job. And he had a winner last night, Smithy. He had a winner last night, and he had the audacity to give us the swerve on it as well. (laughs) He told us on the weekend that maybe Wednesday night there was a horse that would be a better chance. But happy for all won last night, paying about 30 bucks on the tote. James McDonald rode, and that's the sort of form he's in. They're winning when he's out of town. And um, he's doing a super job. He's now being able to buy his own stock and send it up there. So at the moment, he's kind of dealing with a lot of B, C, D grade horses that he's been get, got, you know, picked up from other owners. So he's just going to get better and better. But Hong Kong Smithy, we have to mention Golden Sixty last night. Now Golden Sixty, of course, has had an incredible career, um, and. He keeps winning. He's beaten Romantic Warriors, California Spangle, and the Stewards Cup. The Group One over the Mile. It's maybe one of the best races in Hong Kong for the last wee while. And Golden Sixty, the champ, has beaten two other well, pretty much deserving champs in. A quite remarkable fashion so um, that's what's going on in Hong Kong and, and Jamie Richards I, I just think you follow him with huge interest on Wednesday night at Happy Valley he's got one lining up and I'll find you the name of it because he made sure that he gave it to us it won't be paying a lot but Wednesday night at Happy Valley HOSS, H-O-S-S because if he's if he's not tipping $29 shots well he has tipped this one it'll be short enough but I reckon we'll have to be on
3: Okay, Hoss, easy one to uh, remember there. Um, just uh, just finally on the sale, uh, Louis, before we let you go, uh, the clearance, um, clearance rate pretty good? Are they hap- uh, no mention of, of uh, any concern there?
7: Uh, look, I think the clearance rate was good enough. Uh, I think at some stage yesterday, 20 lots were bought in a row. So I mean that's a that's sort of promising numbers that you want. Again, mm. just early days. I just I, I wanna see how today plays out. I wanna see how people settle in. It's a you know, the internationals are back, there's a bit more of a buzz. Like I'm sitting here now and I'm I'm only twenty meters away from the Sir Patrick Hogan auditorium and there's people coming in. I got Alan Sharrock in the room I've just seeing Guy Molcaster walk past. It's a real hive of activity here. And I think that we'll get a better feeling of who's got what money to spend and what horses they're targeting throughout today and then even tomorrow. And look, there's Lee Thinnes who's just strolled in. He could have dressed up a wee, but he's looking a wee bit too comfortable there, I think. Um, But that's okay; It's the sort of comfortable scene it is out at New Zealand Bloodstock Caracas campus. And I think we'll get a real good read on on where the sale goes to uh, later today and into tomorrow. But it was good to see that median price up on the first day. And uh, I know there are a couple of big lots that people have circled, uh, the fillies especially, the Phillies—it's been a strong Phillies sale, and I think the Phillies, especially throughout today, are, are going to get a real close look. I can't wait to see the fireworks get underway. Um, it's always amazing in here. You just got to be careful—you don't scratch your nose at the wrong time, Smithy, or you end up having to find a few hundred thousand dollars. And I don't know about you, but I didn't punt leaderboard on the weekend.
3: No, I didn't punt leaderboard in the weekend. My final question to you is on apparel because you're talking about the dress standards. I know they're very casual out there, those racing dudes. I mean, their pockets, It's all it matters is how deep their pockets are rather than what we're wearing, to be fair. Um, can I just ask you this? Can I just ask you this? Uh, how many caps have you got so far? Because generally, caps, collecting caps is a big thing at the Caracas sale.
7: Not a word of a lie. I haven't got one. And I put, what? I put, I put. Mark, Chittick and Waikato start on notice because as soon as I hang up with you, I'm walking straight to their tent and I want one of those beautiful blue and blue and uh, green logos because I don't have one yet and I want one.
3: Okay, well, if you can get one, you can get two and you know who the other one's for, Louie. Thank you very much Jared for Smith. your time. Yeah, that'll be it, yeah. Uh, thank you for <laughs> it. Thanks, Louie. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day and the hospitality and then you get home to Shannon. Quick, smart, boy. You get home to Qu- Shannon quick, smart I'm on, I'm on right. the clock Smithy <laughs> you're on yeah. the clock good on your boy good on your boy okay Louie uh, there at the sales live and of course Staffie is setting up there as well he'll be there from uh, 12 o'clock onwards I am green with jealousy it is 10.31 here we'll be back uh, very shortly with some uh, tennis highlights some other stuff too from the sports desk Right, uh, 10.33 here on uh, SCNZ. We're keeping a very close eye on the, the NFL playoff at the moment. Uh, the Eagles are up 14-7 with 43 seconds to go on the clock in the first half, to be fair, into the second quarter. Uh, and uh, the San Francisco 49ers were in possession. And the quarterback that they're playing, or seeming to play over Purdy, is Johnson, the quarterback they're using. Just clean, utter, drop the ball. Drop the ball. Absolutely, when it was uh, played back to him, he just absolutely fumbled it and handed over possession to the Eagles. Uh, this close to their own line is like a gift of a touchdown, so if they don't get at least three out of this, uh, then, of course, um, that'll be amazing. And the San Francisco 49ers uh, not only make a mistake that order, they are making so many errors in terms of gifting penalties. Uh, here's another one for a face mask. It's just pathetic. Um, so you can tell I'm a 49 supporter here. I'm frustrated by the stupidity that they are showing at the moment. It is ridiculous. Right, And a match of this proportion. Uh, let's get to something that wasn't ridiculous, um, but of course uh, in the end quite predictable in terms of uh, both top seeds winning their singles. Uh, but from Australia's point of view, they still did have some interest in it, Logan. They did, they did. No
4: Nick Kyrgios to cheer for, but in the doubles there was, boy was there some excitement there. After they, the top seeds were knocked out in the quarterfinals by Kubler and Hijikata they then went on to win 6-4, 7-6 against Niss and Zielinski. This is how it sounded on SCN in the SCNZ.
15: Zielinski to the Nets. Zielinski's backpedalling forehand is into the Nets. And it's now Two championship points for Kubler and Hijikata. Wanting Rod Laver Arena to raise the roof. Hijikata serving. Down the tee to Ugo Nice Kubler drops it over. Zielinski to Kubler again. Ugo Nis is backhand to Hijikata. Kubler over the top. Zielinski smashes. Kubler once more. Nice Hijikata's fallen over. Zielinski into the corner. It's wide. Oh, what a way to win it. A green and gold moment for the All-Aussie pair on Rod Laver Arena. Frantic, chaotic final points, but it's the all-Australian duo of Rinky Hijikata and Jason Kubler who are men's doubles champions at the Australian Open in 2023, winning 6-4, 7-6. What a glorious moment for Kubler and Hijikata!
4: Man, Smithy, you can really hear the crowd there at Rod Laver Arena, which is awesome to hear, (laughs) considering, you know, typically doubles doesn't take the same spotlight as the singles, but you could tell there in all Aussie affair in the final. Boy, did that mean something.
3: Well, I was on the back, too, of uh, the rejuvenation in Australian doubles, uh, with Kyrgios, of course, and Kokanakis last year, who actually riled the crowd up and got them into fever pitch situations. So this was uh, an unheralded pair. Uh, that came through and won this. And uh, Jason Kubler uh, is fast becoming a, a wee bit of a hero here. And uh,
16: this is what uh, he had to say. You know, Rinky and I definitely didn't think this was happening uh, two weeks ago. So uh, <laughs> bit of a bit of a, a pleasant surprise, I should say. Um, I guess, yeah, first of all, uh, I just want to congratulate our opponents for, uh, for the great two weeks they've had. Um, you know, they're a top, top doubles team and uh, to, make, to make a final of a Grand Slam at the start of the season is, is a great accomplishment and, and good luck for the rest of the season. <laughs> and then, you know, I've got to, th- I've got to thank Rinky. Uh <laughs> <laughs> he, he was actually the reason uh, we, uh, we teamed up for this tournament. I wasn't sure if I was going to play or not, and then Rinky asked me and then yeah I decided to play and then geez two weeks later now we've got this trophy so big thank you to Rinky.
3: Right, uh, that was uh, Jason Kubler at the end of it. What a combination, uh, Kubler and Hishikata, with a Grand Slam doubles title and a lot of money, too. A lot of money in doubles uh, in their back pocket. And As he said two weeks ago, wouldn't even have dreamt of it. Uh, as I predicted, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles did go on and uh, pick up a touchdown just prior to the break. So they're going into the break. They've got a really handy 21 7 lead. Um, and at home, that will be hard to run down, so they'll be the hottest of favourites to go on and win. From this point on, let's uh, stick with the tennis now, though, shall we? And the women's singles final, of course, uh, was decided on Saturday night. Um, two seeded players, uh, but quite deep in the seedings, but uh, Sabalenka uh, defeating uh, Rybakina in uh, three sets, 4-6, 6-3, 6-4. Here are the highlights of the women's final.
5: Right up on that baseline with the wide stance, she'll take it on the back end, it's right on the baseline, dug out, she went to ground, Rabakina, there's the pressure, she put up the lob, Sabalenka the overhead. she controls it, and maybe that's the match, Sabalenka with a big break in the seventh game, serve that wide for an ace, one game away now the Belarusian, most coveted trophies in tennis. Sabalinka's back out the line, big cross-court forehand Rubarkina, likewise there Sabalenka cross-court exchange on the forehands bit more angle a bit more angle there by Sabalenka. up the line by Rubarkina dug out by Sabalinka, slicing here Rubarkina, cross-court forehand by Sabalenka. back behind, she's pushed it wide Rubarkina, that was some sort of point, 15 all down the middle for an ace that sets up next point Having to work extremely hard to get to the finish line. She serves now down the tee. Forehand response is deep on the line, Rybarkina. Forehand cross-court by Sabalenka. Up the line, Rybarkina. It's out! Marina Sabalenka! She dreamed as a young girl of being a Grand Slam champion. And she's got there. A victory so well deserved. She's been through the lows of last year when she couldn't land a second serve to save herself. And the recovery has been there for everyone to see. It's been an incredible January. Arena Sabalenka, who burst onto the scene as a 17, 18 year old with this big power game that took us by storm and now she's won one of the four biggest trophies the tennis has to offer
3: yeah a fantastic performance he did I think play the most consistent tennis when it came to the crunch there was a lot of casualties uh, in that uh, particular women's draw particularly early on uh, in the first week but she survived and uh, this was her reaction
14: thank you so much for uh, for everyone who make this tournament happen Thank you so much, uh, tournament director, uh, referees, uh, line umpires, ball, ball kids, stringers, pieces. I mean, thank you everyone who helped me during this week. And thank you so much, guys, for, for an amazing atmosphere. It was, it was enjoyable to play in front of you. Thank you so much.
3: So Sabalenka puts uh, Grand Slam number one to bed for the women's side of things. And the goat came through. Without doubt, he is the greatest of all time. Now, surely, Novak Djokovic. I don't think he dropped a, a set in the second week of competition as he just roared to victory. And uh, this time, he knocked over the number three seed, 7-6, six, 7 Six-three, seven-six, seven-six. Is the goat. Djokovic goes to the backhand pass pass. Backhand up the line, Novak.
5: Oh, that is sublime. And a Sitsi pass will send it to the backhand. Lunge there. Brings uh pass forward. He sliced up the lump, puts up the lob. Does Djokovic it will go long? Nicely constructive point there from Steph on the serve. Sitsi pass. Djokovic went back to the slice of Sitsi Pass. Backhand is long while Sitsi passes racket. Tiebreaker takes on the forehand, whips it up the line, Novak. It just set up at 161Ks through the Go Wushka. The off forehand from Djokovic on oh, the return of the backhand is long. Got the Sitsi Pass racket. First four points in the tie yes. break for Novak Zero. Djokovic. Championship point number three to win a tenth Australian Open. As Djokovic will oh, land the point. serve down the middle. Forehand, three-quarter ball there from Sitsi Pass. And now Djokovic goes with the backhand cross court, cross court backhand, Sitsi pass, forehand up the line. It gets him stretching here. Sitsi pass over the baseline. Novak Djokovic, he cannot be beaten. He's done it tough tonight. A worthy opponent who stretched him in two tie breaks, but Novak Djokovic has become even greater than he was. The most dominant force on Rod Laver Arena in the history of the Australian Open making its move here in 1988. 6-3, 7-6, 7-6 in two hours and 56 minutes.
3: Right, uh, this was uh, the great man uh, in his uh, interview, oh gosh, Grand Slam interviews for uh, Novak Djokovic. Uh, Grand Slam winning interviews, uh, what would you compare that to? God, I don't know. Anything you like, anything you like. They happen like, I don't know, rain in Auckland at the moment.
10: And I, I would just like to, to finish off um, like, by commenting something about Greece and Serbia and, you know, we are relatively two small countries that uh, don't really have a tennis tradition. Uh, you know, we didn't have too many players to look up to, uh, players that have reached these heights in a professional uh, tennis. Um, so I think that uh, the message really for any young tennis player around the world who is watching this now and dreaming to be here where Stefanos and I am, Uh, Dream big, dare to dream, because everything is possible. Don't let anybody take away the dream. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you're coming from. Um, I actually think that the more disadvantaged childhood you have, uh, the more difficulties and more challenges you have, the stronger you become. So, Stefanos and I are the proof of that. And um, don't really let anybody take away that dream from you. Uh, Nurture it, water it like you water the flowers. Even if you find only one person in this world that that will accept, embrace and support your dreams, find that person and dream big because you can make it. Yeah, interesting words
4: there from uh, Novak Djokovic there. Smithy, after winning this 22nd title, I'm definitely not arguing with you on him being the GOAT. I know there's going to be some uh, fierce Roger Federer defenders out there that might think differently, a la Hugh Bainan. But what he's been able to do, and Melbourne in particular, has just been incredible over the years, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, it is. I mean, you just 10 on a supposedly an even playing surface. I mean, you know, he's so far away from home. Yeah, uh, you know, they wouldn't come, let him come last year. That was stupid. They wouldn't let him come last year. Uh, he dug his toes in and said, "I've got principles." Um, waited a year. They let him back in, and which is very big of them, I might say. The Australians. Uh, without him, what kind of tournament would have been anyway? Uh, but to be fair, um, he just showed them, just showed them how good he is. Greater than, uh, greater than the greatest. Uh, I, I mean, what chance they'd change it from the Novak? Uh, from the Rod Laver Arena to the Novak Djokovic Arena in the middle of Melbourne? Absolutely no chance. That was a stupid question there and it's 10.46.
0: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in
2: Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Yes, double eight, double three is our text number on the temper bedpost text machine line. So, double eight, uh, double three there. Uh, welcome your texts on any subject, really. Your highlight of the weekend. Um, and, uh, of course, your thoughts on maybe uh, Djokovic. Where does he rate for you now, uh, having mowed on through uh, the second half of that uh, tournament with these supposedly carrying an injury as well unbelievable performance um so text yes double eight double three uh, two or three uh, small ones have just come in new zealand cricket making the same mistake with finn allen they made with ken rutherford uh, against the west indies back in the 1980s of course uh, asking ken rutherford to open the batting against one of the great bowling t- attacks and fastest in the history of the game uh, almost destroyed ken mentally well it did work away and I? I can promise you that jeff the ref but he's a unique character, Ken Rutherford. Uh, he's quite resilient, came back and battered down the order a wee bit and uh, ended up being uh, pretty damn successful. If you take away those uh, early series where he was uh, severely up against it uh, and look at his overall performance... Uh, he came back strong, Ken Rutherford, uh, all credit to him. Uh, Scott has said, let's go Bears, It's the Chicago Bears, uh, not their season. But man, it's been a long time. My nine-year-old son loves the Kansas City uh, Chiefs, he will, and all his mates uh, run around wearing the jerseys from around the NFL. So there's a lot of interest in the NFL in this country. There's no doubt about that. And it's a growing interest as well. And a nice message from uh, Jim from Tomoka. Jim, good morning to you. Uh, just sending all the North the very best. They're doing it tough. Take care, Kiwis, he says. It's ten fifty-three. Paul Mowati before 11 o'clock.
0: You succeed in
2: your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Paul Mowati from the TAB joins us. Paul, it's all about uh, the NFL today in terms of current betting and the Eagles looking good.
17: Yeah, they certainly are, Smitty. In fact, we've got the live Super Bowl odds up as we speak. The Eagles now favourites to win the Super Bowl at a eighty-three. Kansas City Chiefs at 2 The Bengals at three seventy-five. And the San Francisco 49ers, they find themselves in a 21-7 uh, third quarter ho- hole against the Eagles. Uh, $18 to win the Super Bowl. I'm just having a look at the big match later on this afternoon, the AFC Conference Championship final Uh, Kansas City Chiefs are still favorites there. They're $1.76. The Bengals, $2.08. And I tell you, we took a $3,333 bet on the Bengals to beat the uh, Kansas City Chiefs at $1.73. So a bit of support for the Bengals uh, in that head-to-head market uh, for the AFC uh, Conference Championship game. But if you want to bet live, you can still bet live. On this uh, Eagles 49ers uh, match, last time I looked, I think the uh, point start was around 16 and a half. Looks like San Francisco are about to pump the
1: ball away.
3: I think that uh, as well, I think they're really up against it with their fourth quarterback. Uh, Thanks, Paul Mawati. They're up against it, there's no doubt about it. Coming up at 11 o'clock, tennis after the break.
0: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From
2: behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Well, the Australian Open has come to an end for 2023 and it's uh, the champions uh, who have been crowned and Novak Djokovic, of course, uh, after uh, straight sets went over Stefanos uh, Tsitsipas. 6-3, 7-6, 7-6, Six three seven six seven six, and in the women's final the night before it was Arina uh, Sabalenka, you know, coming back from a set down to beat uh, Elena Rybakina. Um, plus in the men's doubles, Kubler and Hitchikata set the stadium alight. For the Aussies' point of view, we've heard the highlights of that throughout the morning, but now it's uh, time to get a little bit more in depth with it. Uh, with Lou Fleming now, Lou of course uh, a former uh, women's tennis pro herself uh, out of Australia. Uh, extensive career for for Lou, also now uh, commentating for SEN, which has been fantastic to listen to over the course of uh, the last fortnight. Uh, Lou, good morning to you. Thanks so much for your time.
11: Yeah, good morning. Thanks, Ian. No, super excited. What an Australian Open we've just had.
3: Unbelievable. Shall we go ladies first? Because chronologically that happened first, and that was, of course, um, Saturday night, your time. Uh, Sabalenka is set down, of course, um, and uh, Rybakina taking out the first uh, six four. Uh, and this was a, a battle of uh, well, I, I guess a, a person in Sabalenka seeded fifth uh, against uh, a twenty second seed. But boy, the seeds were there was carnage on the women's side of it very early on in the piece.
11: Oh, it was unbelievable. They were falling like dominoes, weren't they? It was. Um, I, I think the big one that surprised everyone was Iga Swiatek. I mean, going out early. Anja going out and then it, it just, then it was a domino effect. We saw Caroline uh, Garcia go out and then Jessica Bagula that everyone was talking about was going to be the, the red hot in-form player who had beaten eager just a week before. But it was Sabalenka and Robikina, the the two that really stood up and really the two biggest hitters on the women's tour. And I just wonder, is that a bit of a signal for, what is going to happen uh, over the next couple of years. Uh, are the players getting bigger? Are they just starting to, you know, get that power game? I mean, some of the shots coming from Sabalenka and uh, Rubikina were, were huge. 140Ks, 145Ks, I think, sometimes coming off that forehand from Sabalenka. That's equal to the men. Um, no, it was phenomenal. And I think everyone was a little bit worried in that first set because Sabalenka's had... almost uh, the yips in 2022 with that serve she threw five double faults in lost the first set but from there became mentally tough and yeah I think she then bowled down about 17 aces 71 winners it was phenomenal so it was a great win for her because that's something obviously new territory had never been to a final um so phenomenal tennis and I think she really represents the WTA really well I think we've been lacking a little bit of character at the very top end of the game since Ash Barty has gone. So, um, yeah, she's um, she's got a big personality, and I think it's exciting for women's tennis.
3: Lou, you make an excellent point there, because I, I well remember uh, when people were watching Serena Williams uh, at her peak, it was all about power. It was all about strength and power and the pace, etc., that she brought to the game, which was so dominant. But now... Uh, you're right, uh, and I'm not saying this in a disrespectful way, but the build of the average women's tennis player is suit more suited to that. And they seem, you just look at their physiques and you think, you know, you must be spending as much time in the gym as you are on the practice court almost.
11: Oh, there's no question about it. They're probably spending three hours a day on their physical, um, their movement. I mean, these girls, these ladies, uh, they move around the court like unbelievable um, athletes, because you know, with tennis, it's not just running; it's movement in all different areas, and then it's strength overhead, end range, um, and then there's obviously the tactical and you know all the hand-eye coordination. There's so many elements to, to the game of tennis. It's, you know, if you're on the court four hours a day, you're in the gym three hours. Probably an hour of that is hand-eye coordination, movement, core stability stuff. It, it, you know, being an individual sport. And being such a physical sport, the physical demands, they're becoming bigger, stronger. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, are we going to see a lot more or any of Ash Barty's? I mean, she was 5'5", and she had a completely different game, though. And I just wonder,
8: mm.
11: you know, we, for a moment there, I think coaches were thinking, okay, we've got to bring back that slice. We've got to bring back a whole lot of variation in the game. We can be tricky. We can use ourselves. We can use angles but we didn't see that in the finals and we didn't see a lot of that during the Australian Open this year. Um, the only one that kind of aligns themselves a little bit with that is kind of a an engebeur. She can slice, she's got more variation, she's not a tall player, but the rest of them uh, it's very much going to a power game.
3: Yeah absolutely, I, I totally concur with you there. Um, right so uh, can we hop across to the men's side of things and obviously missing uh, last year because uh, he was banned from not only being at the tournament, but banned from being really on Australian soil, Novak Djokovic. Uh, he came back, um, you know, we didn't expect that he wouldn't. That's his 10th title. I repeat that, his 10th Grand Slam Australian Open title. That is unthinkable in the modern era of tennis.
11: Yeah, it is. I think there's only been uh, two other players that have that have captured the number 10, and uh, that is Rafa, obviously... Uh, on the uh, on the clay at the French Open. He's got 13. So he'd been looking to go one more. We don't know if his hip is, is going to be able to um, allow him to play. But obviously, um, and then I think it's Margaret Court has won 11 Australian Open. So it's a small group that have won more than 10 at one particular tournament. He really does own the Australian Open now, Novak Djokovic. Um, and he's at number 22, obviously, next to Rafa. So... I think he's got his eyes uh, pretty much on increasing that number. He's 35 years of age. I think he could go for another, I don't know, three, four, five years. I think he could track down number 30, the way he's playing. Um, he's got a couple of guys, though, that are, that are kind of, you know, at that level. I think the, the main contender, his main guy that's going to be, you know, kind of fighting against him is Carlos. Alcaraz, I think he's the one, you know, just winning the US Open. Unfortunately, he couldn't play here. I think that's going to be his biggest challenge moving forwards. But Novak was just phenomenal. There was something burning inside his stomach, I think, for the whole two weeks of the Australian Open. He had a, a fair amount of desire just to show, um, you know, that, that he was really disappointed and it took a lot out of him. I think 2022, what happened in Australia last year, really shouldn't happen to any athlete. That's a, a really awful situation. And I think there's a yeah, there's a few kind of situations there or people there that possibly could have um, diverted that. And, and maybe he didn't have to come out if he knew the, the rules and he wasn't going to fit in there. But, yeah, a fair, fair amount of hurt, I think, helped him get over the line at this Australian mm. Open.
3: Look, uh, he's won two French Opens, um, but on this kind of surface in this kind of form, uh, it's been a long, long time since anyone has held them all at the same time. He was the last guy to do it with uh, Rod Laver, but is it is it an outside chance with that kind of mindset, of he's fit, uh, he could have get all four this year?
11: Well, yeah. I mean, the way he's playing, if he plays like that, um, I think he, he almost plays with the guys. It's like he just has this, I'm just going to play, I'm just, kinda of moving the ball around and I'm um, you know, I'm like a brick wall and then all of a sudden he sniffs out a little bit of an opportunity and he just raises his level. Anytime there's a pressure point, he, he can just accelerate and play a more aggressive point. There's not many guys that can that can do that, that go in and out of that um, that mindset and then that mentality. It's almost like he's in conservation mode. And then he's just wearing down his opponent. And then when he sniffs an opportunity, he just blasts the ball, and and that just wears down their confidence. It's like, hang on a minute, if he's got this in the bag, how you know how am I gonna how am I gonna last? But how am I gonna do something that that can hurt the guy? He moves like a you know, it's like a ball with a piece of string. He just he's like like a piece of elastic out there on the court. He can just get to any ball, and when he's out there, then he can just do something incredibly good to to de- defensively turn defence into attack. He just does that better than anyone in the game.
3: Well, The way he dispatched them uh, in the second week of the tournament was quite phenomenal. Uh, I think everyone thought that uh, Stefano Tsitsipas would be his biggest hurdle, uh, being higher ranked for the tournament. Uh, that, um, I guess, proved to be the case, but even he had no answer. What does that suggest to you, then, about the, the pursuers of Djokovic uh, and, their, and their mindset?
11: No, I think they're all, you know, there's a massive amount of respect. There's no question about it. I, I'm i not sure that, you know, the the leg injury or the hamstring injury was, was as debilitating as maybe his team were, were saying. But I think it's hard, um, you know, if you've pulled a, a hamstring or you've, you know, had a tear, I think it's very hard to play seven matches at that level. After the match against Alex Diminar, which he was pretty much faultless, um, I think he said at that stage, there's no pain. And then last night, uh, I think in the second set, he, he took the, the wrapping off and, and just showed respect to Sid's pass that he was um, yeah, 100% fit. Look, uh, who, can, who can challenge him? I think Alex, um, I think, you know, Alcaraz is, is one. I think you've got Casper Rude, who got to two finals last year. I think he's another. Uh, Zverev, if he didn't get injured at the um, French Open last year, I think he's another one that's capable. Of. He's going to take probably six months to get back to his level after that horrible ankle injury that he received in Paris. Um, look, I think there's a few guys, but it's that sustainability um, over time. He just seems to have this, this mindset of I don't mind pain and I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to stay here all day uh, to beat the guys. It's, it's the mentality that I find just incredible just to watch him. He's, he's from another planet, really, the way he can lift, the way he can sustain pain. I think that, that's it. It's almost like he enjoys the pain. He enjoys and he thrives off having a little bit of resistance from the crowd. I think those sort of things drive him. Um, so, yeah, he does, doesn't want to get liked too much. He doesn't want to get too much love like, you know, Roger and Rafa. They they just adore, the the fans adore him, you know, adore those two guys wherever they go. Whereas Novak, it's still 50-50. I still think he struggles to really get the buy-in of absolutely everyone.
3: It was interesting last year um, to see how... Kirios and uh, Kokanakis lit the fuse under the men's doubles event and how Australia got in behind that of course uh, Kirios out uh, before even a ball was hit so that was the soul destroying for both of them Uh, and all of a sudden along came uh, two blokes by the name of Jason Kubler and Rinky Hichikata uh, with Australia's flags flying high and winning a title this was a terrific story
11: Oh, it was unbelievable, I mean really one of the, the best stories of the Australian Open for me, I mean these guys were the wild cards, they barely were even thinking about playing doubles, I think Rinky had asked Jason some months ago and Jason was like oh mate I'm really, you know, not sure he didn't want to spend too much time on the court we know he's had about 8 operations on knees and you know, all, every sort of body part in his body, he's 29 and he's stuck together with pieces of metal um, he's 29 and Rinky's 21, I think What a phenomenal effort. They beat three seeds coming through the Australian Open. And the biggest one was in the quarterfinals against Kulhoff and Skupsey. They beat them in one hour and six minutes. 6-3, 6-1. These guys are phenomenal doubles players. And then in the semifinals, they beat Granolias and Sibelius, who got to the semifinals just last year. So played unbelievable tennis. And I don't know if you saw that match point. Did you see the match point uh, the other night with Rinky and Jason? It was absolutely hilarious. It was fantastic. Jason Kubler got two of the reflex volleys back, the best two I've ever seen, to win um, a tournament on match point. It was phenomenal. Rinky had fallen over in the point. He couldn't get up to finish the point. And then Nyes and, and Zelinski missed a, a pretty standard forehand out wide. So, No, incredible. It was fantastic. I loved every minute of it. Um, Yeah, it was was great to finish, I think, on on such a high for those young boys.
3: And, of course, uh, just your overall uh, perception of uh, the fortnight, a big tick in the column for the organisers, et cetera, uh, and the fans?
11: No, I think so. I mean, I think they had huge numbers. I mean, the Melbourneites just were pouring down, even after work, they were coming down. It's a it's more than a tennis event. It is a festival. It's phenomenal. The atmosphere when you're walking around, you, it's pretty amazing to be there, I tell you. If you. you, know, All your listeners, if you have a chance to get over to Melbourne at that time, it really is worth coming, um, even just to get a, a grounds pass and to walk around. You watch phenomenal matches in that first week. I think it's $59 or something like that. There's It's just a a wonderful event even when the top players, I mean I think this is the first time in the open era that the number one and two seeds in both women and men were not able to get through to the quarter final, it didn't matter because the depth was phenomenal and we saw great matches all the way through got some new names, I mean there's been some great stories, JJ Wolf the American um, and uh, yeah, there was just, I mean just some wonderful stories the whole way through so Lynette uh, I mean Magda Lynette the Polish player that had never been through past the, the third or the fourth round of the Grand Slam for her to get through to the semi-finals I mean uh, incredible tennis for, for the Polish uh, federation there
3: yeah there were some great stories all right uh, Grand Slams tend to do that but I think one of the best and uh, two fully deserved winners uh, in terms of the singles. Uh, Lou, absolutely fantastic catching up with you and thanks for your uh, analysis over a very, very successful uh, fortnight. We've enjoyed it. Thank you.
11: No worries. Thanks, Ian. Have a great day, mate.
3: Yeah, same to you. Uh, Louise uh, Fleming there uh, out of Australia, of course, a very accomplished professional tenorist uh, player in in her own right, had uh, something like 14 years on the professional circuit, and now lending her uh, experience to commentary on behalf of uh, SEN. And we benefit here on SENZ. It's coming up to 11 20 here on SENZ in the mornings. So uh, they're gone. I would imagine they're gone, which means I'm gone, which I'm losing interest, which means I'm going straight over to the sports desk now. Uh, where we're going to see uh, Logan Swinkles and sum up the weekend and all that activity for us. Go on, take my mind off it.
4: Oh, OK, well first of all, I was going to have highlights of uh, the first half but I think maybe I'll put you out of your misery and not go there. Uh, <laughs> the uh, ESPN2 has got the Leafs and Capitals on right now so uh, after this, if I am just uh, seem a little distracted, you'll know why. Big thing coming out of the NBL, Smiley, this is this morning. The awards finalists, the Andrew Gaze Awards, have been uh, announced. And the Breakers have a fair amount of representation here. Nothing in the MVP, which is the award named after Gaze, but that goes to Bryce Cotton, Mitch Creek, and Xavier Cooks. Out of those three, that's going to be really tough to decide. Cooks himself got a triple double last night for the Kings, so he's been massive. Coach of the Year, Adam Ford for Cairns, Chase Buford for Sydney. And Modi Mayor is in there so really good to see him being selected as a possible winner considering the season and the turnaround that they're having, Smithy, most improved player, Uh, Kanoa Pinder from the Cairns, Taipans, Sean McDonald from Tasmania and Will McDowell-White from the Breakers. He's been a huge part of the team as well, coming in as one of the Aussie players. Sixth man of the year, Barry Brown Jr. from the Breakers is in there, along with Rashad Kelly from Tasmania and Tyler Johnson from Brisbane. Defensive Player of the Year, this is an award you imagine, Modi wants to see one of his players win. Well Derek it has been nominated, along with Antonius Cleveland from Adelaide and Shea Ili from Melbourne, another Kiwi boy. So that's awesome to see. And then in the Next Gen Award, Luke Travers from Perth, Sam Froling from Illinois, and another Kiwi, but he's playing for Kiens. Sam Wartenberg. That is amazing to see. We had Sam on last year.
3: He has got such an amazing future ahead of him, Smithy. Hey, that's great news. And uh, look forward to uh, those Andrew uh, Gaze Awards. Gaze, as you uh, know him as. Uh, I look forward to the, the handing out there. I really do uh, hope that uh, Mody Maura, um absolutely, uh, I, I think he, he deserves to. And I, I think they should look pretty favourably too on the breakers uh, in terms of this season. Uh, But now that they're on a level playing court as such, um, just what uh, talent though, and how hard it's been over the previous years. So let's hope that uh, they take that into consideration. What else has uh, come across the desk?
4: Well, the FA Cup is ongoing at the moment, Smithy. Today we had Brighton knocking out Liverpool 2-1. So sorry, Liverpool fans, about that one. Stoke City 3-1 over Stevenage. And the one that I was really looking forward to, Smithy. if you haven't seen Welcome to Wrexham, get on it because it's an amazing series. I was watching it here in the office and uh, this is Paul Mullen getting it up to 3-2 for Wrexham.
8: Here's Mullen. The break is on. Palmer being held back. Dolby on his way. Mullen just checking his run. It's Paul Mullen who scores to put Wrexham back in front. The late, late show. From Paul Mullen. Will that be enough for Wrexham? Paul Mullen's extraordinary run of goal scoring form continues. Doesn't matter what the competition, Paul Mullen it seems, will come up with the goods when it matters most.
4: Oh uh, and Smithy that came in the 86th minute it was 3-2 there was 7 minutes of injury time and uh, Ryan Reynolds was there in the box he was cheering on the fans were cheering him on as well it was a home game for them but uh, it did not stay that way
8: featured in all four divisions of the Football League knew that this was going to be a big test for Sheffield United regardless of their status in the English pyramid in by Doyle and they've got their equalising goal John Egan to the rescue for Sheffield United deep into stoppage time the 10 men have responded 3-3 3-3
4: is the final score there, Wrexham and Sheffield United-Smithy. So they're going to have to replay in the fourth round. There's one more match to go and that's tomorrow at 8.45am New Zealand time. That audio coming from BN Sports and Sky. Derby County versus West Ham.
3: Derby against West Ham, Okay, So uh, more traditional uh, teams that over the years have had uh, decent sort of history in uh, English football, um, more well-known teams, but Stevenage, Wrexham, what great stories. Sheffield uh, Wednesday, Sheffield United uh, all playing in this. Uh, it's such a romantic uh, competition, to be fair. If you know anything about the history of football, uh, the FA Cup still matters a hell of a lot uh, to those fans. So, And uh, what else have you got lined up as we head towards the news, man?
4: Uh, lastly, a little self-promo. Uh, you know we love the Warriors ah. here at SNZ, Smithy. Uh, Kimpi recently got to talk to a bunch of them. Dylan Walker being one of them, and uh, we spoke to him about how much the culture means to him, and I guess his time coming from Manly and South to now being here with the Warriors, and Andrew Webster.
18: Is it um, a defensive structure that you, you know, having played at South Sydney, and won a grand final, and Manly, you know, having that good run through with them as well, that you're quite comfortable in this competition that will sustain hopefully an eighth spot? Yeah, I, I, I truly believe that we can, you know, de- definitely be in the eighth. Um, it's going to be hard and cause you, things can change. Like I've been around long enough, especially in the Manly, you know, years and even at South, that, you know, everyone's gunning to be, you know, the best and want to win. Um, but we, we've, um, you know, identified that we want to be, you know, a top eight uh, team. And there's going to be, you know, obstacles and hurdles because you don't know what's going to come. You don't know... How, how things are going to unfold and for us to learn how to adapt and, you know, adapt and overcome a few obstacles, that's going to be, you know, the greatest achievement for, oh, greatest obstacle for us to for us to achieve this year. And, um, you know, I think we're moving in the uh, right direction with Webby, you know, identifying a few things in defence and attack and, you know, everyone's on board and everyone's, you know, rolling in one direction and it's um, quite refreshing and quite cool because, you know, Everyone here in, uh, at the Warriors wants to be here. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I feel like the club did the right thing last year where, you know, a few players do want to come back and that's good because yeah. it's, you knowing that you want people here, being here and, you know, buying into the culture and buying into, you know, the, the Warriors. And I think, um, you know, that's the great thing what the club has done.
4: And Smitty, that was a real big question mark around this team when we had players leaving because, well, they didn't want to be based in Auckland. They didn't want to play for the New Zealand Warriors, even though they had signed the contract for said team. Interesting
3: to get that kind of perspective from Dylan Walker, don't you think, Smithy? Yeah, it is. Um, again, uh, that word that uh, Dino from Dunedin and a lot of players, a lot of people that uh, listen to the show um, have uh, question marks over the word culture. Um, it's an interesting one. Um, certainly it's always one that's bandied around in terms of the warriors. Um, and, uh, I, it's a, it is an interesting one. Uh, and a lot of people in uh, the Australians, a lot of Australians don't buy into that stuff. They just say, uh, it's actually called rugby league, It's called <laughs> rugby league. We have the ball. We try and get to the other end and, and prevent you stopping us when you've got it. We try to prevent you stopping getting to the other end. Uh, where's the culture and that a lot of Australians say the, 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 the game's called Rugby League.
4: <laughs> hey, mate. Right? I, lo- I, lo- I love a bit of footy. I love a bit of footy. Uh, if you want to hear the rest of that interview or any the others that Kempy did with the Warriors recently, head along to uh, the SNZ Radio YouTube channel and you find all the good stuff there.
3: Good on you, Logan. Thanks for that. Uh, Logan uh, Swinkles there on the sports desk. Uh, we shall take uh, some news at, uh, coming up to 11.33. Uh, and, of course, when we come back, we have our daily appointment uh, and our contest Stump Smithy 0800 150 811 0800 150 811 please light up the lines
2: Vodafone has one awesome summer of sport lined up for you
8: Ian Smith's had a good match here
11: Stumped by Smithy
8: Ian Smith really is top class at his job
4: Yes, it's time to play Stumped here on SNZN Mornings with Ian Smith. Back to playing a, for a $50 TAB bonus bet today, Smithy. After Friday, I wasn't here. It was you and Rick, dog. How did it go?
3: Uh, we got beat, um, as we tend to do. Um, I, I kind of thought that um, we might have had a, a change in fortunes, but no, we got we got levelled, so we, uh, we handed the money out, and uh, regretfully so. It was a Dunedin winner, in <laughs> fact, so no... Uh, uh, no uh, qualms about it going all the way down south but uh, no we couldn't deliver so maybe this week maybe this week he says
4: maybe this week well
3: we'll see mate
4: we'll see you never know what's on the cards with some of the questions that uh, Brian Radity throws at us but first at the crease we've got Kenny from Canterbury coming, mate
3: good day how's yeah,
4: it not too going. bad buddy how no, are you good. doing
3: yeah Kenny good luck Kenny, yeah, yeah, Kenny. Sorry, good luck to you yeah. Good luck to you, mate. Um, uh, Let's have a look at uh, your first up subjects this morning. Uh, What's online for Kenny Logan? All right, the topics to choose from today are hockey,
4: as in the men's black sticks, the FA Cup football, and rugby sevens. Uh,
0: Men's black sticks, please. Ooh. All right.
4: Good luck. I do always like when a topic's been on the shelf for a while and someone finally cherry-picks it. All right, first question for you, Kenny. What number are the Black Six men in the world rankings?
3: Oh, jeez. I should know that. Uh, I'm going to say... Eighth.
12: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
3: Eighth is Spain. Smithy. Ninth. We'll be behind Spain, surely. Ninth. One of the worst
12: things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. We are. New
4: Zealand are also behind Korea. New Zealand are tenth.
3: Oh right. Okay. Tenth. Gosh, we've got some work to do, haven't we? Tenth ranked in the yeah. world. <laughs> Just a little uh, bit. <laughs> right. Okay. Next question. Right. Well, I, I know
4: Mike. I know Kenny uh, would have appreciated this. This result. The men's black sticks. It, yeah. The men's black Six made it to the quarterfinals of the recent World Cup by beating India in the crossover match. What was the full-time score? Uh, is
1: that the shootout score
4: or the full-time score?
1: The full-time
4: score. 5-4? Mm, try again, mate. Full-time as in before we go to... Oh, sorry.
1: Before, oh, sorry, 3-0. Sorry, Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes.
4: Yeah, Smithy. I didn't want to penalise him for, uh, I guess, uh, miscommunication there.
3: No, no, fair enough. I I had that under control. Three also. Um, He got there. Obviously, um, obviously, Kenny knows his hockey pretty well, so might be up against it. We'll see
4: how well you do know your hockey, Kenny, because from that World Cup, the rankings have changed a little bit from when they started. The men went down to Belgium in the quarterfinals 2-0. What is Belgium's current world ranking?
1: Well, I think it's quite high, actually. Um, you say the men? Yeah. Uh, I think fourth, is it?
12: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
4: Well, it takes a
3: little, Nick. Is it going to go through to the keeper, Smithy? I reckon Belgium are, Belgium are number two. I think they're number two, Belgium.
12: One of the worst things I have ever seen. I'm sure they were number fair. two. I'm sure they were number two.
4: Smithy, they were three? number two coming into the tournament. They're now third. Oh, my God. Are you
3: kidding me? <laughs> You're kidding me. <laughs>
4: oh, Kenny's laughing. Kenny's laughing all the way down in Canterbury.
3: Oh, well, Kenny, you can laugh too because uh, I thought I had you there. I absolutely recalled that from last week seeing number two against Belgium somewhere along the line and I thought I had you, I've got to say. But you have prevailed, my friend, so uh, good luck to you. Stay on the line and uh, Brian will get those details uh, off you so we can get the money to you as soon as possible, mate. Well done, good start to the week Thanks for you. Thank
1: you very much. Cheers, Millie, uh, well
3: cheers, played. Uh, yeah, cheers, uh, Kenny from Canterbury there. Is the victor, I swear they were number two. I swear, in the, in the articles, and we did hockey interviews last week. Yes, and were I'm they. pretty sure they, were. they had to go on and play Belgium number two. But things change when you uh, exit out of
4: a World Cup and the rankings have shifted and they're now third.
3: Okay. I'll take your word for it. Don't believe it for a second. But anyway, I have to, I guess. Uh, Kenny, the winner there, uh, we'll move on uh, to something else. So we'll take a short break. It's not been my morning, to be perfectly honest absolutely not been my morning the 49 has been pathetic absolutely pathetic eagle is going to clean them up uh, and now i lose that as well uh, it is uh, coming up to 11 41.
0: brand are experts in agriculture covering your equipment parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field summer or winter he's the voice of sport in aotearoa this is mornings
2: with ian smith on SCNZ.
3: Yeah, text is coming from Alan. And Alan, you ask a very valid question, one that I've been asking for quite some time. What on earth does Doug Bracewell have to do to get a go in the black caps? Surely his experience in batting is good enough. I would have thought so. I, I, I would have absolutely thought that that was uh, absolutely good enough to be uh, to warrant a go in this particular part of the tour. Um, he might get a crack in the uh, the third one, but of course it's a dead rubber game. Oh, Doug Bracewell is an in- incredibly... Talented cricketer. I, I know he's uh, not as young as he used to be, but the fact that he's on the fringes, or the fact that you call him over, surely does that not warrant an opportunity? Uh, we're not playing here for the World Cup. Uh, we're, you know, we're playing in a series which is pretty much meaningless. So why not give him a go? Uh, I, I couldn't. I, look, I'm not there. He may have a wee niggle. He might have got picked up a niggle in practice or whatever. Uh, he might not be uh, 100% available. But my question, looking in uninformed from the outsiders why would you not give the guy a go in a series that doesn't mean anything at all quite clearly uh, they misread the pitch this morning although uh, every spin bowling option they had they played they had 17 overs of spin I don't think I've ever seen that in a New Zealand cricket team away even in the subcontinent 17 out of 20 overs uh, were bowled by spinners uh, or makeshift spinners Quite incredible there, and uh, the likes of uh, Jacob Duffy and Lucky Ferguson, uh, who between them can't really hold a bat, uh, were superfluous to requirements. Doug Bracewell, of course, as a batter, uh, would have um, been far more, I would have thought, beneficial in the lineup. Uh, so, look, I, I, I don't know, Alan. I'll be honest with you, I don't know. Uh, but I, as I said, if, if they're not interested, uh, why take him? Why, why put him over there? Uh, when he be uh, uh, coming home, and uh, um, he he could have been uh, useful for the Stags in the various competitions, where he continues to to play an integral part. Odd, very very odd. Uh, right, okay. Uh, let's move on. Um, Women's Phoenix was interesting uh, over the weekend. I had uh, quite a lot on. There was lots of other sport to watch, as well as quite a lot of travelling I did over the weekend, Logan. So, but I did see a headline: another red card for the Women's Phoenix.
4: Is it not two? Yeah, this was one hell of a match, Smithy. Just so much went on. Their flight uh, got cancelled due to all the weather and all the craziness going on. That match then got pushed back to Sunday, though. able to get over there. Uh, and they found themselves down 2-0 before Kate Taylor uh, took a red card in the 27th minute. Uh, actually, sorry, that second goal came up straight after that. Katrina Gore getting in the 28th minute. So they're down 2-0. They're down a player. But they've managed to just find a way to dig in deep and really take it to Brisbane, which is, I mean, the way the, the Phoenix uh, women's team have been playing lately has been incredible. After they got their first win of the season in Wellington the previous week, they were able to answer. They they equalise, and then Grace Wozniewski gets the third goal in the 78th minute, and you think, all right, this is it. they got, they got to hold on. They're going to win. Unfortunately, Brisbane were able to equalise, and that how that is how it went. But with all that going on, I mean, how does Natalie Lawrence even summarise it? Well, this is what she had to say.
11: Oh, man, I think you start with our first point away, our first goals away, and we did it with 10 plays for probably 60 minutes, and I think that... The heart and determination of this group and the fight um, was shown in in that time and in those moments. And you know, like super frustrated with that fourth goal, I haven't been able to like look at it back yet. But the fact that we were pushing and we went, we were two nil down, and then we took it to three two. Um, and you know, they scored a goal. It was a good goal. That they that they were kind of had the momentum and were coming at us for us then to nearly score right at the death and you know Millie had another chance it just, it just shows like yeah we've had to be a little bit patient this season with with the players and how we've wanted to play but um, yeah when you look at the character of that game I can't be anything but proud of the whole group
4: Couldn't be proud of Smithy I mean just amazing what they've been able to do unlucky to not get a fourth goal that's the other thing there's the question mark around did they score a fourth goal it was called back But unbelievable performances by the Wellington Phoenix women's team in recent times.
3: Yep, excellent news. Uh, I think even regardless of their position on the table, it's been a a little bit of a a breakout season for them in that regard. Uh, Now we're seeing with the ability to play some games at home, I think. um, uh, You know, they'll grow from strength to strength there. i have had injury problems, they've had discipline problems. So uh, when they get their act together, I think they're more than uh, worthy. An integral part of uh, the women's a league so 28 uh, 7 uh, now to the philadelphia eagles over the san francisco 49ers they can uh, stick a, f- a fork in the 49ers they are done just like a sausage on the barbecue they are absolutely done and uh, they're stating uh, on the sidelines to shake hands with them each other um, on the basis of guess uh, of what they've got um, uh, and what they've achieved so far in the season but that is the end of the road for them it's the end of the road for me it'll be the, certainly the end of road uh, road for me in nine minutes time uh, which means we'll have a chance to get out to uh, karaka uh, to the new zealand bloodstock sales where i can see mark stafford sitting there and he has managed to get a cap he's managed to get one uh, so we'll ask him about that um, and we'll ask him about what's on his show coming up